Craig? Hey, I saw they moved to a different night. That's just part of the COVID world. Running past Sunday kooks. We <laughs> thought they might not play in the summertime. So having any game suits me just fine. I can get down with Sunday kooks. Yeah, me too. Sunday, Saturday, Wednesday. Wednesday. I don't know. I don't know. NFL Wednesday. They do yeah. the Wednesday games. I mean, we got football yeah. games all we don't even need the the maction to get football games on all days of the week at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> My fantasy football leagues are all like messed up because now there's a game on yeah when can, when do you have to lock in your roster <laughs> like yeah you know. well i've got in one league i've got uh deontay johnson from the from the steelers going and games on wednesday now if if it actually happens but you know i don't know maybe i should have started somebody else probably would have been better off starting mike evans did you know I what that song points. was by the way i didn't i didn't why don't you enlighten me it's it's sunday girl by blondie it's a oh. kicking song. I yeah. highly recommend it. Okay. Sexy. Yeah. I, I think it's from the late 70s or early. I don't know. I'm not sure when it was. I can yeah, find I mean, that. late 70s, early 80s would be, her, uh, would be her wheelhouse there. Oh, no. Maybe. No. Let's see. Blondie, Sunday Girl. When did it come out? This is, this is 1978. There, we there go. you go. One year after I was born. Ah, yes. It's younger. The song is younger than you, Jeff. <laughs> younger than me, which is not hard to do for most things. At no, this point, I mean, if you're looking at the entire, entire like universe, then it's pretty. <laughs> you are just a blip, man. Well, I mean, it's yes, a very in, the gra- in the grand scheme of the, of the universe, Jeff-centric view of the universe. <laughs> oh, it's not that hard to be younger than me. Well, Come I would on. say of. Of things that are relevant today, I'm about in like the middle of that. It's like a 50-50 older or younger situation, right? For the most mm, part. You don't think like the sun is very relevant today? <laughs> do, do you not think like the ground? You see Mount Rainier probably pretty frequently, you know, is that not yeah. relevant? Yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> Jeff yeah all right I'll tell you what it, i'll tell you what's definitely younger than me um and every player on the wc football team yes <laughs> and they're gonna play a game this week maybe yeah and we is think. nick rolovich too how old is nick rolovich nick rolovich i think is i think we're about the same age i don't know i'm gonna have to in look 1979 oh He's younger than me. He's, See, he's you younger than Blondie Sunday Girl. There we go. Same age as my brother. Same age as my wife. What have you been doing with your life, Jeff? Should be co- coaching the WC football team yeah. at this point. I, hey, listen. There are many, 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 many times that I ask myself, <laughs> myself that question. What have I been doing with my life? Oh, my gosh. Look at this. I The first time I think I, I thought that was when Brad Stevens was going to Final Fours and National Championship games with Butler. And I was like, oh, my God, like, look at this fucking guy. Like, okay, Uh, I've been teaching for a few years. Yay. What about Drew Cannon? That was another one. Yeah, that was another one. (laughs) Brad Stevens' assistant, who was then hired as a uh, onto the Celtics when he was like 
22. Yeah. He was, he was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, we shared, we shared a book with that man. We did. Well, so he was barely a man when he wrote that book. That'll be our claim to fame. Like forever. All, all the names that were in that we've talked about this before, but all the names in that basketball prospectus book, people like Ken Pomeroy. We talked about that. And, yeah. Uh, pretty Jim good. Cannon and John Gassaway and, uh, a lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. But anyway. yeah. So yeah, football is playing on Sunday night. It's going to be a packed Woo! Cougar sports day. You got a Woo! basketball game at two and a football game now at four 30 after it was previously at six. So and um, a Seahawks game too, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. There's a Seahawks game around then too. So you got to have some screens going. Um, yeah, at this rate, you know, tomorrow the game will be at 3. By Wednesday, it'll be at one thirty. But, you know, maybe we'll make it back to Friday by the time Friday rolls around. I don't know. Um, they, they've now changed it twice within a 24-hour span. But, yeah. hey. Um, Who knows? It's all up to the TVs at this point, as we've seen in the NFL, too. They, yeah. The uh, yeah, Ravens game exactly. got pushed to <laughs> pushed to wednesday, wednesday so nbc could show a tree lighting the rockefeller <laughs> center tree lighting ceremony it's so fantastic <laughs> we got to show a tree lighting where nobody's going to be or i don't know maybe people are going to be there socially distanced and masked up i don't know it's pretty good so yeah but yeah you know. four four thirty i don't know it's uh I mean, it doesn't make a ton of difference to me. I guess I don't, yeah, like makes uh, no difference to me at all. I guess in I'll fact, have more I'd to, prefer that. I'll have more to do, like to pass the time on on Sunday. Uh, Saturday, I can just have like a nice, relaxing Saturday watching college football, whatever. Yeah. And then Sunday, you know, you watch your NFL and then you watch your Cougar football and Cougar yeah, basketball. Yeah, I mean, this is all assuming that the game is actually. That the game actually happens. Yeah, the last time we talked about a football game, it uh, it didn't <laughs> that happen. Our, that was our last podcast. <laughs> and that was less than, we recorded that less than 48 hours before the game was supposed to be played. I know. So we, uh, thought, we thought the worst thing about that was that we were going to get the starting quarterback wrong. And, and we did. <laughs> hey, technically we did not. Because there was no game and there was no other starting quarterback. So for all we know... You know, you know, Nick could Rolovich have, could have been pulling the old okie doke. Yeah. And, you know, it actually would have been Cam and Cooper. Yeah. We don't know. We just. Sorry. Sorry, Stanford. You thought it was going to be this quarterback you have no tape of. Now it's this other quarterback you have no tape of. <laughs> and he's left handed. Your defense is screwed. <laughs> the left. No, it's like the like the scene from Prince's Bride. Like, like I, I have something to tell you. I'm not actually left-handed, except I am actually left-handed in this case. I don't know. You know, throwing the, I, I just like, I, I'm just imagining a quarterback, like taking the football and throwing it over to his other hand and being like, ha ha. It was I'm Cooper actually, the whole time. <laughs> I am, I am not actually left-handed or I am not actually right-handed. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows what would have happened? We don't know because the game, the game got canceled, and then another game got canceled, and which I think, uh, I don't know. I'm very okay with the fact that game got canceled. I don't know about you. I mean, it would have been perfect if Utah could hold on to a fucking 21 God, point lead. Good lord, like Utah. 
I was I like, watched... this is the best Apple Cup weekend we're going to have in a while. This is fantastic. I, you know, you can never count on Utah for anything, actually. They just fuck it all up. That's all I'm saying. You know, I mean, like when I think about like my feelings about the state of Utah, I can never really shake, you know, my feelings that I had for the Utah Jazz, you know, back in the 90s when the Sonics and the Jazz were going head to head and Carl Malone and, you know, all the fans in the in the key arena, you know, counting down from 10 or or up or up or up. They were counting up. That's right. Counting up when when Carl Malone was there taking his free throws and. You know, I can I can never I can never push those things too far from my brain when I'm thinking about uh, the state of Utah. And so, you know, it went against everything that I had to fully embrace the Utes in that game. And I thought I was, you know, I thought that was trending in the right direction. And then uh, and then suddenly it wasn't. uh, I don't know quite how that happened. I missed the first five minutes of the second half, which apparently I missed a lot (laughs) in the first five minutes of the second half. Yeah, that's like I that's mostly when I started watching it. I, I was doing something else. Like, I, I can't remember what I was doing before the game. Like, the first half, I was basically just following, you know, on Twitter and following, uh, you know, like, the score. And I was like, oh, that looks fun. And, uh, you know, I guess it's my fault. I, I started watching that, that first drive, and UW took it right down the field, and then it all went to crap. So, no, thanks for nothing, Utah. Um, you were going to be, like, honorary Cougs forever if you won that yeah, game. Yeah, for at least five minutes. Instead, you, you – lost in the most obnoxious fashion so uh congratulations puking up a three touchdown lead including a final last minute drive for the win 90 yard drive yeah freaking dylan morris like just slice you up all the way down the field like absolutely brutal absolutely brutal but hey better them than us that's what i'm talking about like yeah <laughs> like better I'm, them than us. you know so i'm thinking about whether whether i wanted to play that game eh, you know I, i'm okay i'm all right with the i think i'd take the that game, game didn't get played. i think i'd take the games over in the first quarter apple cups that we've gotten used to versus uh uh 21 zero at half yeah it, that would that oh would be God. miserable <laughs> can you imagine i mean we take i mean so i can imagine already. blowing a game like that um it's happened before but, yes uh, but not to washington mm, you know not recently 2003 no i'm just saying not recently like that's sorry like um, I, like i've been there i mean obviously we've been there but it's like i don't know there's a special kind of pain and you know being up by three touchdowns and then figuring out a way to screw it up and yeah uh, I, I remember certainly don't want to live through being taunted about that for a year forever um but yeah forever. i don't know who knows we could still end up playing new dub there's that crossover game but now they might they, they're in line to go to the pac-12 championship at this point yeah um, i mean they'd still have to beat oregon I, I know that you know oregon losing to oregon state like I don't know. I guess made it a little a little more possible that Washington gets there. But I mean, it made it a little two, more possible. Those two teams still have to play each other, and one of them is going to have the tiebreakers. So yeah, it really doesn't matter that much unless Oregon loses again, which I guess is possible. But yeah, in Oregon, I mean, I think also that Oregon game showed the Oregon is Oregon State game showed the Oregon really isn't that good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, they played. You know, UW played them roughly the same. So. Um, they just got lucky to escape with a win. Oregon State, if you know, if not for 
Yeah, I mean, hey, can we just can we just talk about how the fact that we beat Oregon State by ten points and that's looking like a good win right now? Can we that's just say that? Like a damn good win, because yeah, it's because UW basically got lucky that two different third and one and fourth and one conversions that were not called somehow, like for Oregon State. Otherwise, they would have taken that lead and probably won that game in the fourth quarter. That that if that happens. Oregon State's sitting three and one, right? With their only loss to D- WSU, to us. yeah. And really, like WSU's been the team that played them the best. And I know it was the first game, but still, uh, they held down Jamar Jefferson better than what some of these other teams have done. And and you know, I mean, that Oregon game is the disappointing one now because like you you see what you know what Oregon's done, and you're like, why you know. Maybe we did miss an opportunity there. Maybe maybe Oregon wasn't as good as we thought, you know. So I don't, I don't know. So um, I'm hoping we get to play some football again. WCU gets to play some football again, so we can talk about something other than a game that was three weeks ago. But yeah, um, I mean, hopefully by by the time uh, Thursday night rolls around and we record our USC preview, there's still a game to talk about. Yeah, so then maybe that would be can, great. We can talk about football then, but I want to dig into uh, this air raid offense, you know. Yeah, uh, apparently Jaden Delora is good to go. Yeah, um, which is good, and and apparently I don't know Nick Rolovich is being appropriately cagey about Max Borgie. Um, my my impression is that that's still maybe a long shot, mm-hmm. um, just given given the forthrightness about maybe. Delora and that I don't know um I'm not sure like who's I don't know who the sources are that people are getting their information of with the WSU football team these days but whoever that is or whoever's those are um are are definitely more forthcoming with information than when Mike Leach was the coach yeah uh I mean we have learned things in the last you know couple months that uh, that we that we certainly I don't know man never 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 would have heard come out of the program when Leach was the coach, so the fact that we haven't heard yeah Borgie's in line to play, um, maybe tells me a little bit that uh, that that maybe it's still it's still a little bit of a long shot but you know good for uh, you know good for Rolovich kind of holding it out there being like hey you know yeah, yeah you can play I mean maybe you never know so yeah I, I that would be exciting that would be very exciting against usc and i don't know Cougs are getting like two touchdowns at this point which is uh seems kind of bananas to me yeah um, so usc hasn't really blown anyone USC's out not, not that good yeah and i i i, I don't know that i guess I, I guess maybe people think you know wsu lost to oregon by two touchdowns so i guess but you know we beat oregon state by 10 points who beat Oregon who beat us who beat Oregon State it was weeks ago man you can't the 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 memory's gone I don't know man all I know is that I think like trying to read too much into who beat who and when is is sort of well yeah futile like like I don't look at that Oregon game and go oh my god like and I know some people do like maybe you do I know PJ does like it's like oh I'm so angry that we didn't beat Oregon and I'm just like I don't know that you can read anything into anything from week to week. Yeah. Um, I mean, then what are we here for? But, uh, well, yeah. sure. But it's also like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't look at that and go like, s- like seriously think like, okay, I can really read a lot 
into this. Like, I mean, we can say, yeah, you know, it was, it was great or, or it wasn't good or I wish we would have won or, I mean, I get all that, but I don't well, know. I mean, like, I mean, it's more of like looking at it as a way of Oregon in their other games has looked a lot more vulnerable and they like, you know, WSU didn't, maybe they weren't quite as they, they against WSU made a ton of mistakes and still were able to uh, win by multiple touchdowns. So it's just, you know, maybe WSU either isn't as good as you think, or maybe it doesn't mean anything, but I mean, all we have is those data points. So right. you, you got to look at them. Um, and I mean, we, we analyzed when we were talking about preview in Oregon, all we had to look at was one game for each right. team. And so right. that's a, that's all we're, that's all we're looking at. You know, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it, it, you, you get that more when you're, when you're up 19 to six at one point and you're, you're thinking, Maybe maybe you could have won that game. Obviously, we already went over uh, some of the plays that made that not happen. But yep. um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm hoping we get to preview USC. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, I, I've watched a few a little bit of their games. I, it's not you know it's not that it's not like this pure air raid um, stuff. But they're still throwing the ball a hell of a lot. And not, like if I'll say something, we'll get into it later this week. Um, DJ, uh, DJ, uh, Dion McIntosh has, uh, like twice as many yards as like the leading rusher for USC and they've played three games. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, they are air ratings, <laughs> even though they, they got are, some talented backs. I mean, backs. they do run the ball. They do yeah. run the ball. They just, I mean, it's not the, it's not the splits running passing that, that, uh, WSU was doing. Um, but they still, uh, but yeah, they, uh, their backs are really good. Um, so you gotta, you gotta give them the ball. <laughs> like yeah. they, they have these five-star backs, like you gotta give them the ball. It's USC. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I guess, I don't know what else to talk about with football other than like, hopefully we get to talk about football again. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot else to, to say. I mean, when these things get canceled for a couple of weeks in a row, it's just, <laughs> you know, you just go, okay. I, I don't, I, it's, it, that's just sort of part of the deal with with everything that's going on right now um small piece of news came out renard bell said he was planning on coming back for next year which is great um i think we have had had some sorry i sorry had said that earlier he might have um, he might have i mean i don't know um we have had a few decommitments from the recruiting class Mm -hmm. and it's been quite a while since we've had a commit yeah um so i'll say this like I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but I'm also somewhat wondering if there's not, and, and I haven't seen this reported anywhere, so I, I don't know if, if anybody else has sort of flushed this out or not, or flushed this out or not, but, um, but I'm kind of wondering if the recruiting class is in a little bit of a holding pattern right now um, as they sort of figure out Who's, yeah. the... Yeah, the financials of bringing in a recruiting class, like mm-hmm. who's who's coming back again next year. Um, you know, obviously they're they're they don't have the full complement of uh, of scholarships sort of committed for next year yet because of all the transfers that they've had. Mm-hmm. So there's that piece, and then there's also the piece of um, you know which guys are going to stick around for another year, so which seniors are going to stick around for another year. And then the other pieces, like like I haven't seen this yet, and I would assume that the schools would know, but or the schools would at least have some sense of what it's going to be. But um, 
you know, are they still going to be held to an 85 scholarship limit? Mm-hmm. Even yeah. with all these guys coming back. I, yeah, haven't, I yeah. haven't seen anything reported on that. Um, Me neither. I, so I, I don't know if there's something out there that I haven't seen or if the football program has kind of a sense of that from the NCAA, even though nothing final has been decided. But like, I, I just, I think there's a lot of stuff up in the air right now. And our recruiting class has kind of been sitting right at, you know, I think it was up to, you know, 19 at one point or 20 at one point. Um, I think it's down to 17 yeah, kids so now. 17 commits right Yeah. Now. And we haven't had a commitment in a while. So I'm just kind of thinking like maybe, maybe that there's a reason for that, that it's not so much, um, you know, that it's not so much that there's a problem as, as it is maybe that, uh, they're just kind of maybe not going to take a full class because of all this stuff. And yeah. maybe that's kind of part of the situation. And, and if it is, um, it's going to be real interesting what happens here at the end. Cause if that's the case, if, if some programs, if, if we're not the only program that ends up doing that, if in the end, you know, some bigger programs end up taking, you know, 20 kids or 21 kids instead of 25 kids, well, where do those other four kids go, right? Like, mm-hmm. so if, if USC is taking four or less kids, I mean, this this goes back to, you know, the days when schools could sign as many kids as they wanted, right? And they could sign 35 kids and then, you know, kick older guys off the team or whatever. Or when they had, before they had the 85 scholarship limit, you could give out, you know, 100 scholarships. All of a sudden, you know, now you've only got 85. Well, where are those other 15 going? They're, they're filtering down. Right. So I do wonder if we're going to see I mean, we're not that far away from signing day. The early signing day is only a few weeks away. Yeah. So, you know, I'm really curious if um, really, really curious if, you know, some of these other guys that maybe are holding out, you know, their decisions and maybe they decide on, you know, a bigger program and then maybe some guy gets squeezed out. It just creates maybe this chain reaction of guys uh, decommitting and moving and flipping. And um, if maybe we don't end up with, you know, with some guys filtering down to us that maybe wouldn't otherwise filter down. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of talking out of my ass right now, but it's um, it, I think it's definitely going to kind of be a fluid dynamic. And, and I'm definitely curious, um, definitely curious how it's going to play out and, and, and maybe what's going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I'm, we'll find out soon. December 16th is early signing period. And as we've seen uh, recently, that's been the, where the bulk of classes get signed since they yep. since they put that into place. Uh, maybe that could change a little bit this year, given, you know, uh, the nature of the pandemic and there potentially being, you know, a, a vaccine and all this stuff. Maybe schools are looking to see what the world looks like and in, in you know in february versus now but um uh, who knows uh but yeah i still think probably most will be, you know get their their signatures on the paper by december 16th but um or on december 16th um but yeah so yeah that's pretty interesting um yeah if you have like 130 schools and they're only taking 20 instead of 25, which I, they're not all always taking 25. Um, you know, sometimes they're taking 30 Alabama, but, uh, but, uh, but you know, if, if you have this, like that's, there might be like a few hundred kids that just aren't going to get scholarships that yeah. normally get them, which yep. sucks. Kids that would normally be FBS kids trickle down to FCS. Like it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a pretty kind of crazy uh, side effect 
of of the pandemic that there there will very likely be guys who would normally get football scholarships that aren't going to get them yeah which is kind of crazy um and yeah. it's definitely a downside i mean like as, as you know whatever our our stances on uh the the dynamic between you know college athletes and the schools and the exploitation thereof and the financial remuneration for these guys and all that kind of stuff um it still it still remains that you know as many guys getting scholarships as possible is is we are totally for until the system changes yeah. and there are going to be lots of guys who would normally get scholarships who probably aren't going to get them this year um and that that does have that does have a pretty significant impact on a lot of guys uh, and their potentially their lives so. yeah and, and and you were talking earlier about that you know will the nca allow more total scholarships over the 85 um, but that there's the same as like even a school like WSU might might not want to have right. more than eighty five yep. financials. So absolutely. So yeah, I'm sure like bigger schools would be hell yeah. Like we'll we'll pay for the five more scholarships. But WSU, Cal, Oregon State, like I I don't know if they're yeah. doing that stuff. Probably you know? not. Definitely not Cal. I know yeah. Cal ain't paying for anything else. UCLA might not either. So um, and you know unless you get some donor come in and donate you know two hundred thousand yeah. dollars here's four more scholarships for next year you know something yeah, like that absolutely. you know i'll pay for the seniors you know <laughs> yep. um something like that but yes yeah, so, i mean getting bell back is cool you know i mean you can you can see like a guy like jihad woods or a lot of the other guys like even aren't even in you know the big names uh come back just for one more year if they, if they don't they don't got nothing anything else to do like aren't like i mean renard bell's probably not going to the nfl um so if he yeah, wants to play football smart. wants to play football for another year play, yeah. play you know live that college life maybe yep. go for your mat you know get some credit start your masters whatever Heck yeah um do it that, you know that masters is some life-changing shit plus he's a redshirt get so that he, he gets he sixth year so hopefully he's already yeah. working on his masters he but. might he might walk out of there with a <laughs> double major and a masters yeah so you yeah. know get, especially given the you know kind of the track they, they they put a lot of football players and basketball players and stuff on a track to graduate in three and a half years so you know yep. so if if they go to the nfl they, they can just leave like you know and, and like they can work on that stuff but yeah um, and i mean they're just they're around a lot like that's yeah. the thing like they they're around all summer so take some classes take classes and, yeah you know so yeah i don't know that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting gonna be interesting but hey so. well, Oh no! I'm I'm happy to see Renard Bell play some more games for Heck WSU. Yeah, I am too, man. Plus, Let's I do I, it. He, he's he's really good for this offense. I, I like yes. I like where he fits. Yes, he is. He's leading. Like, I don't know how many people realize he's you know like leading the team in receiving by a pretty significant margin. Yeah, we we talked. We've <laughs> he's talked been about, really really good. Yeah, we've talked about Harris and how he fits. It's both. Of, they're they're kind of in the same. Like we we seen we've seen Renard stretch the the field from that the slot yeah. quite a bit and in this offense he gets to do that even more and so he gets to use his speed and use his quickness yeah. and so he yeah, really is kind of the quintessential run and shoot receiver you know small guy shifty uh great acceleration can get vertical from really any position uh he's he's kind of perfect i mean we talked about that i mean he's perfect for the offense so yeah yeah uh, it's cool to see him doing it one more thing to add on. We're yeah. talking about these scholarships. We might as well just keep it rolling. So it, it, there's even there's a long term effect here. 
Because every freshman is a freshman again next year. Jaden yeah. Delora is a freshman again yep. next year. He's a true yep. freshman still. Yep. Uh, yep. Gunnar Cruz is a redshirt freshman again next year. Like, yep. Abe Lucas is a still a, whatever, he'll be a redshirt sophomore again. <laughs> like, so, like, all, all these guys. So, and Amy, not, I mean, Abe Lucas is a guy who probably will, you know, I would, I would see him potentially leaving early, but, 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 but even other guys that are, are five year guys, like, they could, they could potentially just just stay end up staying five years when they would have only done four or five, six when they would have done five, so that makes it probably easier for uh, easier long term for the school to take less freshmen, yeah. knowing that they're going to have those other guys right in four years still versus right. they're all losing that year plus you know and and only because it's not about just the guys that choose to come back next year, um, you're having guys that when they're if they're sophomores right now. They may it might not be as much of a decision to just stay for senior year because you'll still you won't have that like senior next to your name when you're when you're in your fourth year you'll you'll yep. still just it'll still just say junior so um, yeah it's, it's it'll be interesting there's a long term effect here I mean I'm glad they did it because uh, especially if you look at WSU like who knows how many games they're gonna end up playing. Um, yeah you, I mean you, max it's gonna be five yeah well and, six I guess if they go to a bowl game but. So yeah, like you, you have teams unlikely. like Syracuse are like playing a whole season, like a lot of the ACC teams and stuff. Um, I think Syracuse is like one and nine, so they've already got ten yeah. games in the bag. But, but, uh, but yeah, but but you know, Pac-12 teams not playing much. I mean, uh, uh, another thing you say that now four of the Pac-12 bowl games are canceled. So the Sun Bowl canceled today. So um, who knows? Even knows like you know how many. Pac-12 teams will be even be in bowl games. Of course, they also put the requirement. They, while other, you know, the NCA or the other schools said, other leagues said, hey, you know, you don't actually have to be 500 to go to a bowl game. Um, Pac-12 did say you have to be 500 to go to a bowl game, which they might not even have places to put the teams anyway. So. Yeah, I think that's what that was a function of. I, I mean, as much as the Pac-12 does its silly things, but. I think the Pac-12 had some sense that, you know, the holiday bowl is not going to happen. And as we found out, I, I think it was today, right? Or yesterday, the Sun Bowl yeah. isn't going to happen. And uh, I think I think they kind of knew that they were going to lose some of their bowl games. So you don't want, you know, your bowl games fighting over, uh, you know, all 12 of your teams, you know, and then picking, picking the teams that, you know, they would want to pick regardless yeah. of record. Yeah. So, but hey, you know what? What if the Heart of Dallas Bowl wanted your your <laughs> two and four, whoever you know? I don't know one and five Arizona. I don't yeah, I don't if Arizona is going to win, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I guess. Wow, we stretched that out a lot longer than I thought we, we would. did. Um, now we it's did. we're actually in the, the proper time to to take a break, take and a then break. we'll come back. We'll talk about some beer and some basketball. We're back, Craig. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about hoops. We got games. Yeah. Let's let's get this beer out of the way first. Let's be was... honest. We only talked about football because that's what the people want. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Once we started digging into that scholarship stuff, is yeah. it's pretty interesting. I we I we didn't even prep that. We just no. that was kind of that was that was as you know as, spontaneous as spontaneous as organic as it comes yeah. in podcasting. But yeah, Jeff. Content. Jeff, uh, what are you drinking? 
I am having the PB and J P fifty one Porter from Wingman. So I was at I was at Costco and they had a uh, they had a four pack of various pints of uh, pastry beers. So I picked that up and and I'm having this and it's it's okay. I'm I'm still not quite sure. I'm not picking up as much peanut butter as I would like. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely catching the raspberry and it's actually a really good raspberry flavor. Um, typically, I don't know, sometimes those fruit flavors can get just sort of like overly sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really liked the choice of raspberry because raspberries, you know, are naturally, uh, tart, right? So, um, so that kind of, the, the tartness of it, um, makes it so that it's, the beer's not overpoweringly sweet. It, it is sort of interesting to do, um, to do this style in, in a porter and not a stout. So you don't get like the real, so you're getting kind of these, you know, pastry flavors, but not like the real, you know, the kind of thick, uh, you mm-hmm. know, mouthfeel and that sort of thing. Um, but it, and I'm still definitely catching. So the P 51, I haven't had in a while, but uh, you know, I'm assuming like most porters it's, um, it's got, you know, coffee overtones. Um, yeah. And it's definitely a big catching, porter. It's like an 8% porter. Versus yeah. Like this one's seven and a half. So, um, and it's, you know, so I'm definitely kind of catching a little bit of coffee too. And so like the coffee and raspberry, uh, it's, it's almost got a little kind of like, I don't know, almost like a mocha flavor to it. Like, like, cause you'd get a raspberry, you could get a raspberry mocha, I guess. So I don't know, but it's, it's okay. I'm, you know, it's still warming up. So I don't know if I'm going to catch some more of that peanut butter as it gets a little warmer. So I don't know. We can check back in later if you really want to know. You got to prep better with those dark beers, man. You got to stick them out of the fridge for a little I bit. Ahead. I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to have one of these. And so I don't know. What are you drinking? Well, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I, so I, I don't think I've ever had a beer from this brewery, even though they are a Seattle brewery, a pretty small one. Um, um, I am drinking a beer from Burt Gilman brewing company Ooh. so named after the burke gilman trail uh yeah. because they actually uh are right on the burke gilman trail um in seattle very close to u-dub um so uh one thing if you do want to visit there which um you know especially if you're riding your bike or whatever um it i i uh you do have to like go right by husky stadium to get there <sighs> um so that that kind of sucks um in which i did and it was a bummer but so what what this beer is it's their first it's part of a set they they released in holiday packs for their first uh, bottle barrel aged beer releases um you know they're all it's all waxed and fancy they have this like bgbc haha um logo stamped on the front of the wax which you I, I haven't seen that very often where they put a stamp like on the front of the wax versus sometimes they do it on the top which means you pull the cap off and you don't see it anymore. But this one, you pull the cap off and you still have the wax right there in the front. Um, it's very nice wax. It was a pain in the butt to get off. Um, very thick blue wax. Um, it's called Sakhalin. Sakhalin. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a t- name of a Russian town. Um, it's a Russian imperial stout, thirteen and a half percent aged in bourbon barrel, thirteen point six percent aged in bourbon barrels. So they released three different beers. There was this one. Uh, there was a Russian imperial stout um, that was about eleven and a half percent that was aged in maple maple 
barrels like so basically bourbon barrels that were then had maple aged in them which is pretty common i'll say that like those are not often my favorite beers like i i i I don't love the maple barrel treatment so that's why i didn't go with that that one uh, tonight and then the the kind of creme de la creme of the pack was a a double barreled um 15 and a half percent russian imperial stout which means they basically aged it in a whiskey barrel a rye whiskey barrel and they took it out aged in another new rye whiskey barrel so um that's why hey that's what you call double barreling so i didn't have that one uh, but i went with the most basic the basic bitch of the the crew the sakalin it's, it's a real cool kind of simple blue label with um like silver maybe even gray i would say more like gray uh font on there it's a real nice simple font um yeah i like i've heard good things about this brewery primarily their ipas uh they've won some awards uh even great beer fest awards for their great american beer fest awards for their ipas i'm just not one to like go drive out of my way to get some ipas typically um uh i can get plenty of ipas here or you know through other servers they don't even have them mailed to me i don't know i'm not but i was i was awake you know late on like i think it was like some night thanksgiving or something last week i saw it pop up that they they uh, they had these so i so i bought them and i was like well i'm already going up to i'd already bought uh um some other beer to pick up at fremont and midnight still this weekend so i was like well i'll just pop over to burt gilman and pick it up so so i have these beers now um this one's real nice it's uh especially first effort right off the bat um definitely it's a russian imperial so it's got a little bit more it's not as sweet as a lot of like big stouts you get. The Russian Imperial stouts are a little bit, a little bit more harsher, like a little bit more, um, um, kind of, uh, kind of, uh, yeah. There's like a little more hop in there, a little more other stuff, but it's not like thick, thick that you would expect from thirteen point six. It drinks kind of a little nicer. I get some toffee. I got. I actually get some kind of like barley wineish notes in there too. Some like toffee and caramel, but. I think that's probably from the barrel. So the barrel's doing some good work uh, there. Overall, really solid beer. Um, I, de- I, I wouldn't go like one of the most elite of the elite uh, barrel-aged stouts I've ever had, but I, I would I would definitely put it above, like well above average, really solid. I'm definitely impressed with uh, Burt Gilman. Um, I'm really, really excited to try that double barrel one. So I, 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 I wanted to ease into it. I'm really impressed with this one. Um, again, like, I think a Russian Imperial Stout's like a, it's always a, it's a, it's a different choice. Like a lot of some, some breweries will do just kind of a, a, a sweeter stout to age in barrels and some, but like Fremont does an oatmeal stout, which, which has its own different character. So I kind of like that they did a Russian Imperial Stout. And I say, especially when I put it in terms of, in the realm of Russian Imperial barrel aged stouts I've had, um, I definitely put it up there with the good ones like Mat- Matrio- Matryoshka from, uh, however you say it, Matryoshka from, um, uh, uh, Fort George. Um, uh, it's definitely better than barrel aged, um, uh, the North coast one, old Rasputin. I would definitely put it above that. Um, so, so I, I think it's a very, very good beer. Um, definitely living up to some of the, you know, not a ton of hype, but I, I've seen some of my beer friends that are really into beer that, that they live near Burt Gilman. So they've, they've had their beer and, and they know that they're good. And, and so that was on their recommendation is why I got them. And so, yeah, check it out. Um, That's always nice. Just plug your nose when you're going by, so you don't smell the <laughs> the garbage dump next to Husky Stadium, and and just give it a couple of middle fingers. Yeah, or... give it a couple of middle fingers. You know, uh, shake your head. 
and disappointment. Uh, but right. but anyways, yeah, I, I was like, man, it'd be fun to be riding your bike on that Burke Gumman Trail and just you literally can just pop off right over into the brewery. That would be rad. Yeah. Like, right. Like, hey, let's go for a bike. Like I could be coaxed into exercising just a little bit more if it was like. Hey, we're taking the bikes out for, I don't know. Hey, there's beer at the end. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's stop at the beer and Hey, biking beer. and beering is great, dude. I've, uh, we've done, Amanda I've, I've, and I have done that a few times. Um, we did it in like Olympia Lacey area. We've done it yeah. in Seattle, just like making stops. You just have like a little bit of beer at each stop. And then you kind of, you kind of sober up a little bit in between. You got to make sure yeah. your stops are far enough apart. So you're not getting too shit faced. Um, you can get a little more drunk on a bike than you, yeah, than I was going to say that seems, you can. that seems a lot better than like drinking and running or something like, yeah, I mean, all that beer's like shaking in your stomach as you're, as you're running versus, yeah, I've definitely you know. done some, some cycling and drinking, uh, before, um, you just got to pace yourself. So you're not getting shit faced and falling over on your, on your face. And, and also when you're riding around in a city, so you're not running into cars, um, that's, that's key. So you just got to pace yourself, but I've had some fun biking and beer and haven't done it in a while. Um, I've heard you can ride around, ride along Burt Gilman and there's a few beers that, you know, a few breweries not too far off that you can stop. So Jeff, maybe we'll plan a, we'll plan an outing. Yeah, um, and we can do a little biking and beer and sometimes that sounds good. Nice, and I'm plus on Burt Gilman, you got to go slow anyway, so you just kind of yeah, keep a nice, a leisurely pace. Yeah, a lot of people out there. But anyways, that was uh, that was quite a tangent. Let's talk about Cougar basketball. Yes. Ah, oh, two and zero. Oh. Cougar basketball <sighs> games feels so good. Didn't lose, as you and said, I mean, and they're actually and oh. relatively normal too, because normally there would only be like a hundred people in the gym for these games. exactly there would have been so, like 14 students crazy. although <laughs> given the given the the following i've seen watching like a wc versus texas southern or wc versus eastern game you know in past years you know wc versus a big sky team whatever uh, given this year i feel like there's more maybe it's just the nature of people don't have anything to do um, maybe. but i there's definitely like a little more excitement around the program which of course leads to more um expectations dis- expectations and disappointment <laughs> uh <laughs> disappointment when they only barely beat you know texas southern a, and a eastern te- a team that you know first a team that no one else has heard of right and then second a team that everyone obviously considers to be on the lower a lower rung because they you know they're close yep. everyone knows who they are they're big then they're a big sky team yeah um shouldn't we be destroying eastern at everything but as we know, when when CJ left, we knew this year was going to be less of an upward, you know, more of a try to tread water. Yeah, and, and, and it was going to be a transition year. Yeah, yeah. So it's more, it's less of a, an, you know, an upward momentum and more of a transition. Not saying that, you know, I'll say there was definitely flashes and guys that told me this year could be better once, it, you know, maybe once it gets going a little more, um, maybe once. It's, we just once Bonton maybe can hit a few shots because <laughs> like, um, what well, we saw yeah. what happens when he hits a few shots in the second half uh, against yeah. Texas Southern. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I, I guess, you know, what's, what, what are kind of, you know, we can talk about the games, parse them out, but let's kind of start with, we're two games in, what are kind of your general impressions? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the the first big thing is that they won them both. Um, I mean, look, as much as I want to focus on process and uh, you know, are 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 good things happening on the floor or not? I mean, all all the things that you know we we say we believe in, you know, more than results. I mean, we try to stay away from results based analysis, and so I'm not gonna. I'm not going to color my analysis based on whether they won or lost, but I'm going to say winning's good. You know, the players want to win. Everybody wants to win. So uh, the fact they figured out how to win both these games is a good thing. Um, you know, obviously, I think most people want to talk about Bonton because that's just the easiest thing to uh, – I, I, I think it's just the easiest, most obvious point of analysis, right, is, uh, so you know, when you got a guy who's got uh, – what is it now – 41 shots, 41 shots through two games, plus 17 shots from the free throw line. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, a lot. Um, that's, that's more than, you know, plus the probably CJ Ellaby had in any two. Pro- yeah. So the usage, right. Cause when you factor in the turnovers, you know, the usage is uh, 37%, which is absolutely bonkers. So, you know, and, and I don't know that C.J. Ellaby ever had a two-game stretch last year where he had 41 shots and 17 free-throw attempts. So um, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing the answer is no. So, you know, obviously that's the easy thing. I, I will say this. I mean, obviously the first game was bad. Um, that, that was actually really quite terrible um, yeah. and, and a really a major reason why the offense was such a struggle. You know, he's taken so many shots and so many of them were contested, and he, he did get kind of hot there for about a – five minute stretch or so and and you know kind of that that you know maybe ended up being the difference but um you know that game was was not so great last game honestly um obviously the shooting wasn't much better uh he ended up going i think one for 10 or one for 11 on twos yeah uh which which is like you know horrendous but at the same time i i will say a number of those twos he he should have made i I would think at least two or three of them, maybe even like four of them, uh, he should have made. Uh, and, and I would, I would think he would make in the future. Right. So, and, and as I watched the second half, um, you know, just the offense in general. And again, you know, people tend to focus on offense. So, you know, I'll go ahead and focus on offense too. Um, I don't know. I just felt like the offense was moving a lot more smoothly in the second half. I mean, it wasn't perfect and it wasn't like great by any means, um, but you know, I mean, they finished what they finish overall, like zero point nine, nine seven or something like yeah. that point nine points six, per yeah. possession. Yeah. And I, I know you can't really do this cause it's all part of the same game. But if you take away the first five minutes of the game where they scored about three points on their first, like, you know, 10 possessions or so, right. Or 12 possessions, like all of a sudden that, that overall number looks a lot, lot different. Um, and, and what I saw was, was a team that, you know, who was sort of starting to figure things out. The ball was moving better. It wasn't just getting stuck with Bonton when Bonton was driving and maybe, so I said this to you after the game, I was like, I did not realize he was one for 10 from two. Like I I knew he missed some, but I was, I I just kind of didn't really have a sense of that. And I think, I think the reason why is because I kind of focus on again, process more than results. And he was getting good looks. He just wasn't finishing them. And just the offense overall looked like it had a better sense of what it was trying to do. Um, the ball was moving. Guys were attacking space. Um, cutters were finding spots. Um, you know, Dan Dickow even mentioned at one point that, 
they were running a Princeton style thing. I know that's that um, mm-hmm. that's what Smith did mostly at San Francisco. Um, I don't think we did it a ton last year, and I'm not. I'm certainly not a coach, so I can't really speak to that definitively. But my sense was that we weren't really doing a lot of that last year. Um, hopefully maybe we're incorporating some of that this year where, you know, we're, we're taking guys who are big and long and pretty good passers and good movers without the ball. And we're just finding ways to attack space. And I felt like the second half was a real move in the right direction with that. So I, overall, after two games, I mean, I'm tickled that they won the first two and, and I feel like, you know, the, the things that they did, uh, progressively from the beginning of the first game to the end of the second game are, are things to really be encouraged about. And I'm going to point out something that I think because a lot of the fans probably didn't pick up following this team as much until Pac-12 play last year, they lost to Santa Clara. They lost to Nebraska-Omaha. They lost to a bad Nebraska team yep. all in the first like five games uh, last year. And so they just because they don't look that great against Texas Southern, that doesn't mean they they can't get better. And and right. and and we they've lost these games over and over again in the Ernie years. They you know they lost some like head scratchers, UTEP, Idaho multiple times. You know like like they they're just like they've lost to bad teams early. Um, with Ernie, you're like it feels like an indictment of the program. But with with Smith, I, maybe that's not fair. But I I feel like he's got you know a little bit more benefit of the doubt. To where also there's so many new guys on this team and they're very clearly trying to figure out how to use them. One thing that was, you know, very interesting, um, Yakimovsky played four minutes in the first game and played thirty-one minutes 31. in the second. <laughs> and crazy. overall, you know, his numbers don't look great, like when you just like raw like numbers, but you can see what he's got. Like he obviously he was two of nine. You know, he had three turnovers. That stuff is not good. But let's just remember, this is his second college basketball game. He look, he's, I mean, he he's built already. Like, he's built like a, an upperclassman already. Yep. Um, as you, I think you said, he's built like a man. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a man already. And, and I, mean, I think I, he's, I think, I think he's a little older. I think he's 19. Yeah. So that helps yeah, definitely. He played, but... He's already played kind of semi-professionally, professionally. Like, um, so, so he's... You know, that's you can see that in his rebounding, his defense a little bit. Um, but also, man, the the guy's ability to be like this. We kind of were hoping he could be this point forward, and you saw you saw some of those skills against Eastern. Yep. The way he drives the paint, and he is not looking to put a shot up. He's looking to feed, and he set up. He had three assists. All were very good assists. Like these were not just swing pass assists. And the two threes he hit were impressive. He's got range. Um, yeah, two of nine. And they look three. good, right? Like yeah. the shot looks good. Yeah, two of nine, three turnovers, not great, but also three assists, six rebounds. That's good. Um, uh, TJ Bamba in the second game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, he played a lot more. The only reason he didn't play with more probably was foul trouble. Foul and trouble, we'll talk yeah. about someone else in that matter in a second. <laughs> um, yeah, we but, will. but Bamba, again, that dude looks like he's ready to go like he's 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 a bit like oh my i think all of us like on our on our slack and stuff like he is huge like he's every bit of that six five two oh eight that is not by the way an exaggeration would would you call him long and athletic i i would certainly call him long and athletic (laughs) but yeah i mean that's a guy you're like you're hoping he can 
maybe handle some of the ball handling. Yeah. Because Bonton really needs to play off the ball more. Yeah. He, he, and he, he did more of that in the second half. He did. Yep. So, yeah, Bamba actually did, you know, his stat line did look good. You know, uh, nine points, you know, hit a three, uh, three of four from twos. Uh, he had six boards himself, another three assists for him. Um, yep. Just played really well. I mean, he looked like a guy that was, you know, a step above athletically for sure yeah. than this than these Eastern guards. Like yep. he just he looked like he's like he looked like a Pac-12 level athletic athleticism guard. Plus, if he can hit threes, man, like if he can get threes, that'd be huge for WSU. Like if, yep. if he can if he's the guy who can knock down and he's not going to be a big three point shooter. Um, but if he can knock down his open looks. Yep. Um, he's already, you know, ahead of where Noah was last year. Yep. So, um, and then, uh, another guy, uh, who we didn't have in the first game did have in the second game, um, who I think, you know, he may not, he, he may be a bit, you know, he, they may be working him in. He may play more. We may, we don't know, but miles Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald Warren, that's yep. definitely a guy that can handle the ball hand, like yep. take care of some of the ball handling. He had some nice moments. Um, I, I, I think between him and Bamba, there, there's hope that we can see Bonton play more off the ball and not have to dominate the ball so much, which which is doesn't seem to be where he's at his best. I, you know, I I, I said to you like I, I'd be curious to see what his like, particularly in, um, um, like what what his uh, percentage is on like pull up threes and stuff. I I, I don't know. I know he hit one uh, off a screen from. Uh, uh, Mark Kovetsky, which yeah. we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that in a second too. Yeah, but we'll just run down all the players because this is fun. <laughs> like we have all these new players. It's I fun. know, right? Um, but yeah, I just want, I kind of want to talk about all the freshmen right now, or the new guys, because um, obviously Fitzgerald Warren's not a freshman. But um, but yeah, but uh, who I really want to talk about though, I kind of the I think he's the darling of of the first two games, even though he only pay, played a combined uh, twenty nine minutes. <laughs> Um, is Effa, is it Abogadi? Is it Abogidi? Is it Abogadi? Uh, yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. So, Poor Greg Heister and Dan Dickow. So Effa, Effa Abogidi. Effa yes. Abogidi. 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 Yes. So that's how you say his name. That's because not that's what, how he says. That's how he says he, he says, says his name. name. That, so that is how his name is said. <laughs> so that's actually it because he said it. And so, so the WSC pronunciation guide said, Abogad, it's like Abogadi. And so I honestly don't know where Heister and Dickow got Abogadi. Like, yeah. I don't know where they got that. Well, and then Chazanel also, somebody asked him about it on Twitter and he was like, and he had something different. He, it was, but it was, he was like, well, yeah, basically it's like what Heister was saying, but maybe a little bit more like this, which also was still not still wrong. <laughs> it was something else. So, but anyway, Abogidi, as many yeah. fouls, as many ways as you can pronounce his name. Yes. Um, but, but so what we knew about him is that he he hasn't played basketball for a long time. He's not like a lifetime basketball player. Um, he also was hurt 
um, when he was at, you, you know, he, he went to the NBA, what, what do you call it, the NBA Academy in, yep. in Australia. Yep. So he was hurt a lot when he played there. Um, he, so he, he didn't, he doesn't have the experience, but holy shit, is that <laughs> dude athletic? And, oh. and if this is him, not like non-experienced, like one, the dude can hit a 22 footer, like who thought no one was looking for that coming in. No, like, no. and he's basically, he he's had his toe on the line for two threes. Otherwise, he'd be like three of yeah. three from deep right now. Yeah, like or four of four. He'd be four, four of four, four if he yeah. had his toe on the line. Um, just but that's like, just what a presence. Yeah. Like, well, my, what's wild about it is like I mean we've been told that you know he didn't really have that shot when he showed up to Pullman, and now all of a sudden he has it. Like that's that's kind of how gifted, you know, this guy is. Uh, it's you know a lot of times we say things like sky's the limit um it it like that actually applies here <laughs> like yeah that he's already looking applies. A, like a guy that is not going to be here for four years like yeah if if he makes the strides that he can make like it might be like next year is his last year here because he is so yeah. ridiculous he's got he is the most athletic player that wsu has had in a long time i can't i'm trying to think Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I could not think of anybody who was that athletic at that, certainly at that size. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, mean we've had yeah. some, pre- we've had, we've had some athletic. Dudes. I mean, there's guys like, you know, I think we're like so. going back to like Jeff Verum. Um, yeah. Obviously Marcus Capers is very athletic. Ivory Clark. Ivory Clark. You know yeah. that we've had some pretty athletic dudes, but, but, um, but not, not at six foot 10. And, and yeah, that, that two twenty five is like, there's some, there's muscle there. Oh yeah. And he's got bounce. He's already had multiple super impressive block shots. Um he's I mean just so quick off the floor. Like that was that was the thing with both of them. Yeah. Like the one the one block that he had against Texas Southern, it was, you know, guy comes into the paint, lofts up a weak little jump hook and he just, you know, quick off the floor just swats it away. Um the one against Eastern was hilarious cuz the guy's, you know, he's got four fouls, so the guy's trying to drive at him, and uh, and he he kind of, you know, goes right to the right to the glass, and and you can just see like Fa's like, really, and <laughs> just erases it, just absolutely erases it. So, uh, yeah, and without without too much without too much difficulty, he's he's something special, man. And as a rebounder too, yeah, um. Kind of one of the big things about rebounding, they, they do this in the NBA. This is a stat they use in the NBA that, um, you know, I don't think they use too much in college. I, I imagine there's probably like synergy or something tracks this sort of thing. But um, but they talk about like out of zone rebounds, um, which are basically like how, like how many rebounds does a guy go get that aren't like just kind of falling right to him. Um, where a guy, so for, for contrast, this is not to, this is not to rip on this guy, but a guy who is a very poor out of zone rebounder would be a guy like Jeff Pollard, who, you know, Mm -hmm. is only going to get a rebound if it basically falls in his lap because he's good at boxing out, but he's not, he's not, uh, able to really jump above anybody. Um, he's not able to go get a rebound in the sense, like, unless it's coming right to him, um, F is the exact opposite. Right. I mean, this is a guy who, 
you know, will go grab rebounds that are not in his area at all. Like he'll, uh, now sometimes that's a downside. Yep. I mean, that's, that was three <laughs> of his five, <laughs> three of his five fouls were him trying to do that yeah. against, uh, I mean, he'll start to figure that out, but you know, ultimately there are some rebounds that he gets where, um, you know, where he jumps and he can sort of jump off to the side and, um, out jump a guy and, you know, reach out with his arm and pull a rebound in, um, the kind of stuff we haven't, you know, we haven't really seen a whole lot. Um, probably the last guy we had, uh, that was really, really good at that. <sighs> maybe Aaron Baines. Yeah, probably. You know, maybe Aaron Baines. Um, DJ Shelton was a pretty good rebounder by the time he was done. Um, you know, obviously Josh Hawkinson was an amazing rebounder. Um, although his, his seemed to be more, less, less out of zone type rebounding and more positioning and reading, reading the rebounds. So, um, not to, not to downplay what he did, it's a different way, but Efe does it with just like, this is his pure athleticism where he can go get a, get a ball. And, um, that is, we, we have not had that in a while and it's, it's like, oh, it is so cool. It is so cool to watch. It really, really 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 fun and and when he figures out the you know the nuances of the game and you know learns not i mean when he got his fifth rebound i know he's kind of looking around like wait what and it was like oh my god like like all of us as we're watching that game saw him go for that rebound and we went oh no and then tweet it was like yep there he goes you get to see kyle smith too he's in the background like his head he's like watching 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 and this, the whistle blows and you just see his head drop <laughs> like he just goes the head goes down yeah because he knew it was coming yeah and I don't know. It's, it's super exciting. He'll learn, he'll learn these things. Um, yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be, it's going to happen more and more like over and over again this year. He's going to get fouls. I mean, if you remember young Aaron Baines, like he, he had the same issue too. Um, but it's, so that's going to be an issue, but man, like he, he's just, what a start. I think, you know, I'll be interested to see, you know, offensively how well he'll do when like, you know, the, the players are more his size and closer to his athleticism athleticism you know i don't think you'll have his 90 effective field goal percentage keep going but um <laughs> no but that but I, I saw someone make a point though he might not be getting these offensive rebound fouls against like bigger stronger teams because he's just not going to be there to get that foul like he's not going to be trying to reach yeah. over a guy not that, be jumping over dude not be jumping over a guy that's like three inches shorter and 50 pounds lighter you know so it's a uh, it, it'll be interesting uh to see how he adjusts i'm you know, it'd be nice to have, you know, fight, you know, another like six games, you know, eight games versus just uh, whoever before we got into Pac-12 play. But we're we're heading into that. Um, I guess, well, obviously, let's talk about some of the older guys. We talked about Bontown already. Um, some of the returners, I, I think the the main ones um, are Noah, um, Kuntz, DJ and uh, Vova. Uh, Tony Miller has been injured. Um, he, he got, he played in the first game, um, was injured in the first game and did not, uh, play in the second game. Hopefully we can get him back. Um, I will add as a side point there. I know, um, I think a lot of Kook fans are frustrated because Iwu was very much, um, hampered by the, by COVID and, and only played, uh, what, six players, um, in that game. I will say they had most of their best players were on the floor and I'm not sure. So they had Kim Aiken, they had Jacob Davison, uh, they had Tanner Groves. Um, they certainly had all their best scorers. Yeah. They had all their best scores. 
I don't know how deep of a rotation that you would have ran in that game anyway. Like, I don't know if they would have went over seven deep anyway because they, yeah. you know, they're playing a it's Pac-12 team. Possible. They're playing a Pac-12 team. This is a big game for them. They're not. They're not. They're not going to be like testing out guys. And maybe they will. I, you know, maybe they would. I don't know. Um, I will say Lagans. Uh, um, shit, was that his name? But what is it? Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. Lagans. I don't know how you say his name. I, I'm impressed. I don't know. I don't. I'm impressed by him. I. I think he's. Yeah. I think he's a hell of a coach. Um. So I. I, I don't know how long he'll be at Eastern. We might see him at somewhere bigger, uh, soon. So. Uh. But anyway. So yeah. They. I don't know. Like. Yeah. It's. We probably should have beat him by more. But. At WSU, you pointed out. To me, like WSU was also missing. WSU's a bunch of guys. Miss, I, and they don't talk about it because it's the start of the year, so you don't really know who's playing. But we know that Tony Miller should be playing. Yep. But there's Deshaun Jackson is also out. Um, and, and that's that's a guy who could have been a difference maker against you know teams like Southern and, and Eastern yeah. who are much smaller lineups yep. to have your 6'10", 240 guy in there, 230 yep. guy in there, you know. Yep. Athletic guy who can, you know, guard a pick and roll and, uh, you know, do the kinds of things you need to do against uh against eastern yeah so. but yeah so uh, anyways back to the the team so like Koontz has uh he's definitely added some muscle um yeah added some weight um he looks a little stronger he still gets bullied a little bit you know because even uh tanner groves bullied him or pushed him around a little bit um but you know the first game I, I it's hard to tell he's had so many free throws in the first game uh, they, they got, once they got into the bonus in that second half, um, he was getting free throws off, you know, rebound fouls, all sorts of fouls. So, you know, he, he was big. He hit all his free throws in that first game. So that was huge. Um, he's still, uh, maybe struggling from deep, uh, was one of four, uh, against, um, uh, Eastern Koontz really to be an effective offensive player. Koontz needs to be like a 35, 40% three point shooter. Yeah. Um, we definitely need that from him, but he does. He's always been a savvy defensive guy. He's just never had the, the, the kind of heft to, you know, he's got a little bit of bounce. He, he's always, he kind of, he knows where to go. He knows where to be. He, he reads his, the, his, he reads players really well. He reads the offensive player very well. I think he's got definitely got, defensive skill but he's always just not had the weight i think he's got a little bit more weight that'll that'll serve him well he's definitely been rebounding uh better um than than he ever did uh so that that's really um that's positive if he can rebound better that that'd be huge um then he's then if he's not hitting threes he actually is providing some more value you know um wait do you have any other thoughts on Koontz? uh we could talk about rodman and, and noah obviously yeah. I mean, the the funny thing is he's not actually rebounding at any better rate right now than he was last year, which I, I found that's sort shocking. Of, actually. Yeah, which I found sort of interesting. Um, but yeah, the, you're right. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, but it definitely looks better. I don't know if that's. I, I guess I would just say like I, I he won. You know, was able to win some fifty fifty rebounds. Yeah. Uh, that he wasn't winning. You know, a year ago or two years ago. So, um, definitely encouraged by him. He does a lot of little things. Uh, uh-huh. that you know that that helped the team win and and i know that's sort of a cliche uh for sure yeah, but is. uh but that comes that's you know that's true to some degree with with him i think again he has not turned the ball over in two yeah games, so that's that's that's, helpful. that's a 
big, that's a big deal. You know, he's not turned the ball over. Um, he's not, you know, committing a bunch of fouls. Um, he, you know, he's, he's really not doing things that hurt you, um, which is good. And even though he's not really contributing much offensively right now, outside of his 171.4 free throw rate, uh, which is <laughs> that's humorous. when you take, he, you know, that comes from, he took one field goal attempt against Texas Southern yeah. and had nine free throws. Yeah. Like that's, that's how you end up with a 171.4. Yeah, I love that. So, um, so I mean, yeah, it's, I, I am curious to see, you know, if, if, you know, last year he really, uh, faded as conference play came about. Yep. Um, a lot of that was, you know, the strength and the athleticism and, um, you know, there, there's certain things that, you know, no matter how smart a guy is, um, you know, that, that can't, that, that are tougher to overcome. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, so we'll see if, you know, we'll see if this, you know, we'll see if this sticks around. We'll see if he can do it. I hope he can. Uh, he seems like a good kid. And, you know, again, the, like you mentioned, the big thing is he, he's got to be able to stretch the defense, you know, he's, he's in there with a lot of these guys. Like if they can just hit like 35% from three, mm-hmm. you know, if they can just do that, that, cause I don't, I don't think this team, you know, I, I don't think this team's on track to be a great shooting team. Like, and I know that's, nah. that's probably not going out on a major limb <laughs> after what we've seen the first two games. Um, but I think, well, like, for example, I don't know if you remember, like uh, last year, CJ got off to a really slow start oh, from yeah. behind the arc. And it was like, oh, so man. So did Bonton, yeah. Right. And, but it was also like, yeah, we already we know he can shoot, though. Like, like we know this is going to come around. We know it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Um, I'm not sure how many of these guys I look at and think, yeah, yeah, they're really, really going to come around. I mean, we know Bonton can shoot, but the problem is he, takes, you know, ha- he takes shots that are lower percentage, right? I mean, he's taking threes off the bounce and things like that. Um, you know, Noah Williams, I don't know. I mean, he's three of seven right now, which is cool. Um, but I, I'm not sure that that's, I don't know. Shot still looks really inconsistent. Uh, Fitzgerald Warren, you know, missed all three of his in the last game. Uh, you know, certainly didn't look at him and think, oh, yeah, that's a great looking stroke. He just, you know, got unlucky. Ryan, Ryan Rapp, Rapp, 0 for, 0 7. for 7. Yeah. You know, again, you're not looking at him going, that's a great stroke. You know, he's going to come around and shoot 40%. Yeah, he's got kind of a, you know, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of moving parts. Hand. There's a lot of support hand in the, in the finish. Yeah. Too. yeah so. so, so, you know, there's that. And, you know, TJ Bomba did hit one of two, which is great. But I also, again, look at the shot and go, eh. Yeah, and he's not going to take many, I don't think. Yeah, you know, so I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if you remember, uh, you know, it reminds me of like when Marvin Cannon was, was yeah. suddenly a three-point shooter for about five minutes. Yeah. And then and then that, that all came crashing down to earth. Um, one guy who I think really could be a legit three-point shooter, 40% plus, is DJ Rodman. Yep, yep. Um, I do think that's a possibility. Um, but you know, but that's one guy out of all these guys where I think, yeah, he's got potential maybe to be like a legit 40% sharpshooter. The rest of these guys, I'm all thinking eh, if they get to mid thirties, I guess that's probably going to be maybe at the top end. maybe Yakimovsky could be there. Yeah. Um, I when so. I watch him shoot, I think, yeah, that's a great looking stroke. Like the ball comes off his hand, nice high arc, good rotation. Um, you know, all those things that you, you kind of look for. Um, to, to say, okay, is this going to be a consistent shot? Just don't you know, fall into that Abe Lodwick uh, 
trap yeah. beautiful stroke and took about yeah. five, four years for it to come yeah to come around. well i will say i did you know i watched enough highlights of him playing uh, international ball and watched yeah. him hit enough threes in international ball to say I, I think he can do it i think yeah. i don't think it's going to take you know years for that to come around so but i'll say uh, what back on on rodman he's yeah. just like coons like he's got to hit those threes to truly be you know an uh, an effective player if he can hit 40 or even you know 35 and uh with the 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 on-ball defense he plays um yeah i know people like to talk about rebounding because of his dad but he really isn't that good of a rebounder (laughs) i mean he is for his size but he's small and and he's just not in the positions uh that you want but he's a he's a very good defender and uh and he definitely can be your three and d guy he's getting a lot of minutes so he's got to knock down those threes yep. uh, for us because uh, otherwise like he's, he doesn't shoot much. Um, and so when he typically does, I will say it seems like he's, he's definitely got more of a green light than he did. Like he, he he's, he's pulled, like he pulls quickly. I feel like everyone does uh, at this point, but it seems like everyone has a green light, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I DJ, I think DJ and, and Koontz are kind of almost in the same corner sort of uh area where he, they, they were kind of looking them for three and D guys and uh uh hopefully DJ yeah I I yeah I definitely have the two I I think you know Coons has a decent looking stroke too but uh, uh I think Rodman's definitely the guy you know we kind of hope that he can come around and, and start hitting threes that would, that would make a huge difference um we also have um Vova to talk about who was yeah uh everybody's favorite giant Ukrainian yeah, who is whose number one asset is just being a big motherfucker. Um but at seven and let's one, not let's not undersell the importance of that. Yeah, he is seven foot one, <laughs> two hundred and seventy pounds. Seventy pounds. And honestly was massive down the stretch. Where yeah. he was for like they obviously he was not in the game plan to play against Eastern with their smaller yeah. uh smaller, quicker kind of front line. But he was massive, like massive, literally and figuratively, down the stretch against Eastern, offensively in particular. Yep. Yeah, he was uh, without taking shots. Like that was the big thing. You know, he did it without taking shots. He was just getting in the way and, uh, you know, setting screen after screen after screen on the ball and rolling to the basket. And, you know, he's definitely not the most uh, graceful guy rolling to the basket and. Uh, probably doesn't have the greatest hands on, on, on the planet, but also, uh, you know, is, you know, teams have to respect that, right. You know, I mean, they, they've got to respect the role. Um, and if they don't, then you get what, what happened there towards the end, which is a, you know, a little shovel to him and a, and a big dunk. So, um, yeah, he was, you know, he was good enough in those final, you know, seven minutes of the game. Just getting um, in the way. Yeah. Just getting in the way. And, um, you know, and then on defense, you know, they, they had to go to zone with him in there, which, you know, when, when it, they weren't turning to him in the first half, I thought, you know, it's gotta be because they, they think they have to go zone. I mean, you're talking Tanner Groves is six nine two thirty five, Um, and he's definitely a, a little more mobile. He's a three point shooter, you know, mm-hmm. definitely a stretch, a stretch five. Yeah. Right? You're not going to, you're not going to want Vova no. going out to the three point line. I trying to, to guard that. Yeah. Ball screens. He's just going to run by him. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think, I do wonder, I, you know, obviously we, n- we never get answers to these sorts of things, but I do wonder if Kyle Smith was 
maybe trying to hold him back, knowing that he may have to use him at some point. But if he uses him too early, goes to the zone, you know, in the first half, and then Eastern is a little flummoxed by the zone, and then you come back with the zone again later as you play him again. All of a sudden, Eastern's now seen the zone. They've kind of figured out how to maybe pick the zone apart. You know, it's like this chess match, right? Um, so, and, if, and as we we talked mentioning, like Eastern likes to shoot threes, and they have a lot yeah. of shooters. So going to into a zone can be very dangerous. Yep. And so you wait until the end, and throw it at them, hope that it throws them off their game. And sure enough, it did. And and it was cool. I mean, Eastern definitely got. They did get some easy looks um, in the paint. You know, again, Vova is big, but not very mobile. And, you know, he, he kind of gets in the way and he got had a couple of floaters, you know, shot over the top of him. But, um, you know, they didn't get any easy looks from three, which I think is the thing you worry most about mm-hmm. with a zone. And so that 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 makes you happy. Um, and again, on offense, you know, he, he did what he what he did on offense. So, um, yeah, just a really nice, you know, extremely impactful uh, 2.1 rebound performance which was uh, i think pretty extremely underrated for uh for its impact on the game yeah and it, it's fun watching him set those screens up top he just completely oh, yeah. obliterates players like they're gone they're just dis- they're disappeared and well and they have to choose are they are they going to go over the top or are they going to go under they go under and bonton you know sinks a three um or and they go over the top and three. then noah williams is is sort of now probing into the lane and guys are darting for cut, you know, uh, cutting to the basket and, you know, all of a sudden Vova's rolling and, you know, so um, it's definitely a pick your poison kind of thing. And, and he does a thing on the floor that, um, you know, that, that really uh, Jeff Pollard, that was kind of his main role last mm-hmm. year. Um, and we don't have another guy like that right now. I mean, FA sets, sets some screens as well, but he's just not as wide and um, doesn't maybe set as sturdy of a screen. And so, Watching watching Vova do it was 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 pretty fun, pretty fun. A lot of people don't like watching ball screen offense, but I don't know, man. You watch a seven foot one, two hundred and seventy pound monster just out there, just you know, making people try to run around him, uh, is pretty funny and pretty pretty fun to watch. Yeah, when the offenses run well, then it's not you're not just worrying about the the screener rolling like they you know as we saw, it was great, and we can talk about Noah now. So Noah, who had a absolutely about as bad as an offensive game as you can have in the first game um came out and he and uh he and and vova working that ball screen offense in the last five minutes was beautiful and uh and noah really showed what he can do uh, and beyond what we thought he could do hitting those threes uh, three or four from three you know that was huge Uh, I, i you know i think his shot looks definitely better um you know, he's got a little more hop to it. You know, he, he definitely lifts it better. Yeah. Um, which will, you know, just getting a little more arc on the ball. He was, he shot his threes very flat footed last year. Yep. Um, which it, it was also almost striking to watch him shoot a three. He had like very, like he, you could, you know, he might not jump over a piece of paper when he shot his threes, but this year he's definitely, you know, got a little more jump in his shot. Um, that helps. Um, that that's how you can you know you can get hot, and, and also you can find more opportunities because you don't have to take so damn long to shoot your three. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, Noah obviously still the the defensive guy uh, that that we knew from last year. Um, but I swear, after that first game, you were really worried that he, you know, maybe not regressed, but just had not added anything. Um, 
but we saw the you know the kind of the best of what he can be in that second game. He was the reason why we won, right? Uh, if, yep. if he doesn't do that in the final, you know, five ten minutes of the game, uh, we don't win that game, which is which is pretty remarkable. Not not that not that he's incapable or anything like that, but just like to to see a guy like that um, absolutely take over a game, and, and I think that's the part that you know the the thing that drew me to him last year uh, as the unofficial president of the unofficial. Noah Williams fan club uh, is, is his attitude and his, just his, you know, just doesn't give a fuck about anybody or anything. And he's just gonna, you know, he just believes unrelentingly in his ability. Um, and, and even if maybe, you know, he's not as skilled of a scorer as, as we might like, or maybe he thinks he is, uh, it's still really good at times. And if he can do this, like, he's not going to do this, this, you know, every game, Mm -hmm. but, but if he can, if he can give some sort of reasonable approximation of that, right. Where he's averaging, you know, 12 points a game or 13 points a game. Right. And he's averaging five or six rebounds a game and he's averaging, you know, three assists a game and maybe two steals a game. Like if that's, if that's what he's doing, um, this team is in a really good spot, a really nice spot. Um, offensively because we already know what he can do on defense I, I know that um, you know last year when he was on the floor there there were some metrics that really supported the idea that the defense was just you know another notch up when he was on the floor um, so we already know what he can do he can do that way um, offensively again it, there, there's all these what ifs right we keep saying this about different guys if they can do this if they can do this and same is true for Noah like if he can be this guy um, we already know he's going to be aggressive and relentless and he's going to have, you know, sort of unwavering belief in, in his ability. Um, I mean, if he can if he can do that, if he can really do that, um, you know, this team really takes on, you know, a different look, um, takes on a different complexion on offense um, because he's not, you know, he's not a pure point guard. He's not a pure shooting guard. He's not, you know, but he's he's a good enough ball handler to, to probe the lane. He's a good enough passer to find people. Um, and hopefully this, you know, what we saw is that he's, he's a good enough shooter, um, you know, to make people pay at times. And, and that's kind of it. He's got to hit one or two from three to make defenses really stay honest and pay attention. And if, if he can do that, um, you know, watch out for sure. I mean, he hit four threes all of last year yep. and, and he's at three right now. So, yep. So I think that that just and he obviously he didn't have a game where he hit three in any game last year. So um, just that that was very positive development. Um, yeah, you know, I I think Noah will always be a guy that you know has big games and has games where he disappears, and and that's just kind of the nature of how he plays. And um, I I'm hoping that this year the big games are more often and and. Uh, not just against Washington schools and, and when Clay's in the building or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's definitely um, – if he can take a step forward offensively, um, and even – he may even be better defensively this year than he was last year too, honestly. But it um, he, he could be huge. Um, yeah, so there's – uh, we've pretty much run down almost every player at this point. Uh, Brandon Chatfield we, had a dunk. Did we dunk. miss anybody? Yeah, we, Brandon missed, we missed the walk-on forward. The walk-on forward had a dunk against Eastern, so that's great. That was um, 
yeah, that was cool. Uh, he's a big dude, so it's nice to at least if you're going to have the walk-on, he's a big dude, so uh, he gets in the way. Yeah, um, I mean, let's be honest. He didn't look terrible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, know, he, serviceable. He, he may have maybe felt made Eastern feel bad for not giving him a scholarship. Yeah. You know? He maybe had an offer from Eastern. I don't know. I, don't I do know, know that he's he's bulked up quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's he's no doubt. Big. He was he was kind of a string bean when he came up because he's he's the kid from Clarkston, right? Yep. So, I know he was kind of a string bean when they recruited him, um, and he's up to two thirty eight. I mean, he's definitely put on some weight uh, in the year that he's been in the program. So, uh, you know, he was serviceable. He wasn't you know wasn't anything you know making making a bunch of impact but you know he was okay the you know like like a lot of guys a lot of walk-ons um you know when the athleticism is you know slightly limited um you know you see it you really see it in the rebounding rates and he uh in two games has uh corralled zero rebounds yeah none so um and that's the part where you know it, it it's hard to it's hard to get regular minutes if you're if you're barely rebounding, unless you're again, unless you're Jeff Pollard and you're just like ridiculous at boxing people out. And then CJ Ellaby is swooping in to collect everything. So, but he did give them some decent minutes defensively. Um, you know, obviously not a guy you want to roll with all the time, but scored you know, a couple buckets. Cool. So, yeah. yeah. You know, we, I mean, look for all the talk about, Oh, Eastern only had, you know, eight guys. Um, you know, we played two walk-ons pretty significant minutes in that game. Uh, so, I mean, we weren't playing with a full deck either, and so yeah, that's Fitzgerald Warren's the other walk on, right? Yep. Yeah. So you know, and he's and he's a guy who's you know probably going to play 15 minutes a game, yeah. you know, for the rest of the year uh, at the point. So, uh, you know, and, and Chatfield. I mean, when we, you know, when when Jackson's back, hopefully that sort of eliminates um, him playing. Sorry if his parents are listening, but you know, it's uh, I think the team's probably better off. If, if Jackson comes back and is playing those minutes instead, but, um, you know, we're playing walk-ons We're we've got kind of a crazy loose rotation at the moment, all different, whole bunch of different guys are mixing and matching and, you know, to get a win while you're kind of figuring some of that stuff out against a team that's veteran, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not the same team that won the big yeah. sky last year, but you know, they, they, they can very well win the big sky. They this could year. do it this year for sure. And they definitely know what they're doing and to have Davison, really be under wraps. Now, some of that was him being in foul trouble, but to have Davison be under wraps for virtually the entire game right until the end, uh, you know, is, is, is a feather in their cap to, to shut him down and, and make other guys beat them. I, you know, Eastern Eastern's a team that's ranked higher in Ken Palm offensive projection than we are. And, you know, we held them to 0.92 points per possession. So, um, lots and lots and lots to like, you know, defensively. I felt like the defense, if we can just like hit on that for a sec, like I felt like the defense was uh, much more in line in the second game with what, um, with what we got used to last year. And probably um, starting in the second half of the Texas. Southern yes. Game. Starting yeah. the second half of the Texas Southern game. And then really kind of taking off against Eastern, just very aggressive in your face, hunting for turnovers, uh, you know, just kind of really all those things that we got used to last year. Um, and then, you know, I think this is going to be a fun thing to watch when you look at these defensive rebounding percentages from, from the team is kind of wild. How many guys are, are kind of rebounding out of their brains right now? I mean, so FA, we mentioned he's, he's a really good rebounder. Um, 27.6% yeah. defensive rebounding. And that's I know an these numbers, number. yeah, yeah, that's elite. I, I, I was gonna say, I, I know these numbers probably don't mean a whole lot 
to most of the people listening. So we'll try to translate, but, but that's like elite elite. That's like, you know, Josh Hawkinson, Aaron Baines type defensive rebounding numbers. And then 13.3% offensive rebounding. Um, that again is elite. And, and I don't know when Especially the last for time was. A, a, a philosophy like a, Smith's yeah. philosophy is not right. having sending guys to the right. To the, We're not sending a bunch of guys to the glass. So, and I don't know when the last time was we had a guy at thirteen, and I doubt he'll stay there. But, um, no. but th- that just kind of shows you what what he's capable of. But when you look at the defensive rebounding numbers, you know, Bonton fifteen percent, Noah Williams nineteen percent, Yakimovsky seventeen percent, Ryan Rapp twenty percent, T.J. Bamba nineteen percent. I mean, that's like those are like there are a lot of forwards you know, like fours and fives who yep. don't pull those kinds of numbers. Uh, not necessarily the 15 from Isaac, but 19%, 20%. Um, those are really good defensive rebounding numbers. And these are guys who are all, you know, six, three, six, five, six, six, you know, I mean, they're, they're not small dudes and size you know, matters. With, yeah. With Ellaby gone, you know, they, they're all, everybody's going to have to have to do a job and, um, right now, they are looking like the, they are looking like a team that could be a dominant, dominant defensive rebounding team, and that's and, and that's a key part of what they do. And I think that you know, right now they're sitting at projected one hundred and five uh, defensively um, overall in Kempom. I, I would not be surprised if they jumped into the top one hundred. Top, see, last year they finished um, eighty three. I could see them getting back up to there, even with losing losing Ellaby, who was a, yeah. a good defensive player. If they can. If they can get back to that, you know, to that, uh, to that level of, uh, of defense and even maybe even improve on it, um, as you know, as you get Jackson back and, or get Jackson in the first place and, and things yeah. like that. So, um, yeah, there's definitely the pieces, like a lot of the young pieces, like what we talked about in that second game uh, compared to the first game, I, I will say the first game, um, don't don't poo poo that, that defensive effort in the first game. Like, okay, Texas Southern is a swack team and, and that is not a good conference, but Texas Southern is a, a lot better than most of the teams in that league. Yeah. Um, and they have Michael Weathers. Who's a, who was playing at Oklahoma state before he came to Texas Southern and was a guy who was a high usage player at Oklahoma state. Um, you can look up why he's at Texas Southern, but, uh, um, but, they're they're not without talent. Um, they had some talented guys on their team, and for all intents and purposes, WSU completely shut them down. And it wasn't just that they were missing shots; they were making it. It was maybe in the first half, but the second half they were just kind of making it tough on them. Now you can on the other flip side, you can say the offense was just pitiful. But again, I think we, we've talked about that. Like we just probably just don't have a lot of great shooters at the moment. And hopefully that that comes around and changes, particularly with the stat. You know, Smith being a guy that's going to want to shoot more threes. I think it would help if if uh, for if Bonton. I think absolutely Bonton could be a forty percent three point shooter if he was a guy that wasn't pulling up off the dribble all the time. Yep. You know, yeah. I um, so I, I think he could really be a guy because when Bonton gets his feet set, that dude is money. Um, when, when Bonton is catching, uh, you know, catching and shooting, he is a very good shooter. Um, I think he just looks worse, uh, because he's shooting so many tough shots. So if, if we can get, you know, more minutes guys, you know, handling the ball, Bomba, Warren, 
rap rap needs to hit a few shots so dude dude you got to make some damn shots like <laughs> yeah you have to make a shot like, yeah well <laughs> um, he did a little bit last year so i think yeah. I, I definitely think there's more in there i just don't know that he's you know i don't i don't know that he's a dead eye guy at some point yeah but yeah it you know there's it's i will say like you look at this team and, and yeah it, they they're not good right now they're definitely not and so you kind of have to look at the Eastern and Texas Southern games. Uh, currently, Texas Southern is rated 223 and Eastern's 142. This is pretty much, you know, given WSU's 138, this is pretty much what you would expect them to do. And this is only the start of the year playing a yep. ton of young players. So yep. I would expect, just like last year, I would expect them to improve. And so I, I think they're going to get better. And so they could potentially end up being better than last year where they yeah. finished like 126, I think. So yeah. I wouldn't be too discouraged if you're like, oh, we barely beat Eastern. We barely beat a SWAC team. One, Eastern's better than your average Big Sky team. Te- SWAC, or better than most of your Big Sky teams. Like Texas, we, Basically, we played two teams that could very well be in the NCAA tournament later. Now, they're obviously winning small conferences, but whatever. They're, they're, they're not the... the bottom of no. the barrel we're not playing no, the 350s of the world we're, we we are going to later but and and by the way pretty clear that both teams are pretty well coached like yes. you mentioned that with leggings um and i'm, I'm totally spacing now i got gotcha, you i got gotcha. you coach of texas johnny Center jones johnny jones L- coach lsu yes like so two really good coaches uh two teams that that clearly knew what they were doing had a sense of of who they were what they were trying to accomplish on offense and defense. Um, so by the way, Texas really, Southern went and won at Wyoming tonight. Yeah. So um, those are two, I, I don't know, man, our, our fans, I guess some of this is, is due to, you know, expectations, right? You talked, you mentioned that at the top. Well, I will uh, say both these games, like, or he can't would have lost both of these games. Yeah. Like he absolutely yeah, would have. So. And, 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 I, I don't that's not the bar that's not the bar it's not it's absolutely not but this team is loads 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 better than yeah. where it was two Tons years ago potential. and he, they're they're almost they're already probably almost as good as they were last year and and they lost cj Ellaby. so give it yep. some time like they yeah. could end up being like solid i i don't expect them to be playing for the tournament i don't expect any of that but i but i do think you know, by the time, you know, the meat of conference play rolls around and we'll talk about who they have coming up in a second, but, uh, the meat of conference play rolls around, uh, they, they could be looking pretty solid. Well, and that's the thing, like we're, we're going to get kind of a nice little temperature <laughs> check in these next two games, right? You know, you got Oregon state coming in on Wednesday, uh, for, you know, Oregon state is, you know, it's currently ranked 110, So a little bit of a step up from Eastern, but certainly not, you know, way out there get your boss uh, fights man you just get a yeah. bigger, tougher and tougher one every yep. time and then you got colorado which is right now a top 50 team uh in ken palm so and generally is a good team and with... generally is a good team and we got to go play them in boulder which is always a really 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 tough right. task. just remember we did beat colorado in the national championship game we did year. and they're probably pissed yeah. so i guess we'll find out um, but they're, I mean, they've, you know, spent their first two games, you know, stomping South Dakota and Kansas State. Which is roughly the so. same quality of teams that we right. beat 
But they they stopped. But they've yeah. stomped. <laughs> yeah. uh, they won their first one by 23. They won their second one by 18. Uh, so, and that was Kansas State, by the way, was on the road, uh, which again, play maybe playing on the road isn't quite as big of a deal now as it as it has been, but still at the same time, actually, Kansas State may have had. They may have had fans. Yeah, they may. I'm have. not sure about that. They, they I don't know have. about the indoor ones if they do that. But. Yeah, they've definitely had outdoor fans uh, at their games. But I would say at any rate, um, the Colorado game. I will never ever expect WSU to win at Colorado. No, me neither. <laughs> nope. So I, what I'm curious again, it's is, nice you know, that they don't Oregon have to State, play at Utah two days before. That's if we nice. can beat Oregon State, then I'm feeling like yeah, house money for for Colorado. Um, you know, because again, like you said, I don't, I'm the same way. I don't expect wins over Colorado or Utah on the road. Uh, we've just seen way, 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 way too many losses in those games, uh, to expect anything more. Uh, but it is going to be kind of this nice little, you know, temperature check of where the team's at. And then you've got Idaho, Portland state, Montana state, Prairie View, A&M and Northwestern state. And the highest ranked out of those teams is Montana state at 195. Uh, Idaho's in the 300s, Portland State's in the 300s, Perivier and M's in the 300s, Northwestern State is almost in the 300s. So, um, so those are all extremely winnable games um, as you kind of try to get things uh, straightened out heading into, uh, you know, heading into Pac-12 play, which opens up on New Year's Eve against yeah. Arizona State. The the the, the main Pac-12 play, yes. obviously these yeah these that's games true. Th- these do are count. games that count in the these series. are Pac-12 yes. games. These aren't just randomly. This no, was something not. that was decided before the pandemic. Like w, yep. like Pac-12, we knew that this game was happening on December 2nd last year. Like this this has been a game that's been in stone for a long time. They, yep. they were going to do these two to, to get it to a 20-game conference schedule, which is actually working out really well now um, that, that you had that in place. Um, so, yeah, Oregon State's going to be tougher. They still have Ethan Thompson. Um, he's He's their guy now. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, that they're just, they're, they're, they're never great. They're solid under Tinkle. They're always kind of around the same range of, of, of caliber. So they're always, they're, they're in that range of WSU can beat them. Even yeah. if WSU is not up to par, I, you know, I, I, uh, they're definitely a lot more experienced team than WSU. They have a lot more juniors and seniors on the squad, um, they are 22nd actually in experience um, on Kempom. So um, how he does experience is actually how much the players have played at the Division One level. Uh, so it's not based on like if you're a junior or a senior or whatever. Right. Um, so like if you're coming in as a junior tra- junior transfer, you're zero experience for Kempom. So um, so yeah, they're 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 22nd in experience. So they have, they have a they have a pretty uh, experienced squad um uh, wsu i think is you know in the in the mid like one they're like 190 or something um but uh so that you know that's largely driven by uh, uh you know coons and, and bonton and stuff like that but um but yeah so yeah they, i mean they they beat they beat them last year um can't clay thompson's probably not going to be there <laughs> Well, you never know. I mean, he's got. I mean, he's, he's got prob- time on his hands again. Maybe, maybe he wants to do his rehab in Pullman. That'd um, be cool. Yeah, yeah. If we could just have Clay Thompson at every home game, I'm thinking we go undefeated at home. So, yeah, I think Clay, so. come on up to Pullman. Yeah, just come do hang your out. rehab. Yeah, come be our big cheerleader. 
You can have that floor pass. Uh, you can social distance. It's fine. You can bring Steph if he's free too. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. And Jaja, whatever. You can bring them yeah. all. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Andrew just, Bogut just retired. He's got tons of time on his hands. Yeah, just get Bogut up there. I bet know? Ryan Rapp would love to see him. Oh, I'm sure Ryan Rapp loves. Andrew yeah. Bogut. Yeah. You know. All right, dude. Okay. Um, yeah, Oregon State next game. Uh, it is on Wednesday, so probably tomorrow when you're listening yeah. to this, or it's or it's already happened if you just listen to it late. Um, <laughs> and then Sunday we got that we got the Coug double header with uh, sweet Sunday football action. We got two o'clock. We got two o'clock basketball game, Colorado, followed by four thirty USC football game. So uh set your dvrs or whatever the hell you want to do i don't know get get your screens out you know so you can watch your nfl and you can watch any what else you know yeah uh figure it out Let, let's make it happen it's going to be a, a great day for sunday save your drinking calories for sunday you yeah, know be hung over for monday there you go it's always good advice all right man so at pod versus everyone is jeff on twitter at the craig powers is me uh on twitter um pod versus no okay sorry podcast vs everyone at gmail.com for gmail questions i haven't checked it in a while sorry you know I, i'm bad <laughs> at this um uh i haven't checked I, I had the last week off i didn't i didn't check anything so sorry <laughs> um but also no one emailed this i just checked so thanks guys Thanks for the um, not emails. Thanks for not emailing us. Um, so do that. Um, any other things we should talk about? I don't know. I... Nope. I think that's it, man. All I right. We killed it. We killed it. <laughs> All right. Go Cougs. Go Cougs, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.